0: This is IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. I'm your host, Lee Llewellyn. This is the next in our series of Economic Development is More Important Than Ever podcasts. And today I'm fortunate enough to be speaking with Katie Eaton, the president of the Michigan City Chamber of Commerce, and Clarence Hulse, executive director of the Economic Development Corporation of Michigan City. So Clarence and Katie, I want to thank you both for being here. You've both been working together on a number of things uh, between the chamber and economic development uh, to to respond to COVID-19 in Michigan City. So thank you both for what you've been doing. And then also thank you for taking time to talk to me.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Thank you for having us, Lee. So early in the process, uh, the two of you published a joint letter uh, indicating that your two organizations would be collaborating on a response plan. Uh, What did you both see early in this process uh, about the relative strength of bringing together the Chamber of Commerce and the Economic Development Corporation uh, that you thought that the two of you together uh, could have a a, a combined impact? What, What did you see there?
1: Yeah, so I think um, initially, you know, if I think back up to when all of this first began um, and we quickly realized that businesses were going to have to shut their doors and not operate in their normal circumstances, uh, I think, you know, either I reached out to Clarence or Clarence reached out to me and we started the conversation around how are we going to support these businesses as they enter this unprecedented time of not knowing where their next revenue was going to come from or if and when that was going to end. Uh, The uncertainty of what we've experienced through COVID-19 has been um, the hardest part I think for our business community and it just made sense for the Economic Development Corporation and the Chamber of Commerce to really work together to provide the most support that we could for our local businesses and for our local economy um, and become a place where we could jointly share resources for our businesses and for the community. Um, You know, not just our for-profits, but even for our nonprofits and for residents in Michigan City to have a one one spot where they could really find what was the latest information and as you know and i'm sure clarence will add to it that the daily information was changing pretty rapidly at the beginning of all of this and to try to stay on top of it as a business i'm sure was a struggle and as it was for us and it just made it easier to have more hands on deck and really um, Than rather not. So uh, it just it just made perfect sense for us to work together as we moved through this time.
2: And and Lee, one of the things I want to add to that is, you know, both the chamber and the EDC are the voice and advocate for business. And so we have a very large manufacturing community that we are in touch with and, and the chamber has its members. So we want to make sure that people were being heard. The business community was being heard. And uh, you know, we run a BR and E program where we try and touch at least fifty businesses every year. So we were hearing that people were uncertain about in the times uh, financially, what was gonna happen with employment and the EDC has the B E D C service as a purest form of B R N E. how do you, how do you help your business um, when when things are great? We, we try and help them, but this is when things were getting bad. And how do we help them? So uh, partnering with the chamber made made sense. Uh, we have uh, similar goals objectives. So why not build upon that and uh, put together. Uh, some programming and uh, things to inform our business community of what's going on. And as Katie mentioned, even the community at large, there's so many voices out here. Out there. So I think the, both the chamber and the EECs is uh, well respected by the business community, by the residents, so why not partner and speak as one voice? But it I, I think
1: you know to Clarence's point. I think it made sense for us to you know, as you think about the Economic Development Corporation works really closely with our larger employers, um, you know, the the industrial and the manufacturing sector, and some of our larger healthcare facilities, um, very closely, and and of course has a wonderful partnership with the government, city government, in Michigan City, and you know the chamber our biggest membership comes from those small businesses uh, of really 10 to 15 employees or less. And so being able to have both sides of the spectrum, all of our businesses were struggling. It allowed us, as Clarence said, you know, to be the voice of the full community, the full business community by working together.
0: So it sounds as though, though, as you were doing that, so Clarence, you referenced your, your business retention and expansion, but it sounds as though, You know, the kinds of problems and the challenges that you were hearing were not typical of what you, either one of you, either through the chamber or Economic Development Corporation, that that there were some new challenges coming up here. How did you learn to deal with that or respond?
2: Well, i think um like as you mentioned this is not the, the typical where we're talking about projections and expansions uh during a normal brne process this was we were about to lose employees uh people got to be furloughed or, or supply chain is getting affected and so we quickly realized uh it's kind of like doing a triage we had to go in and figure out exactly what was going on so one of the first steps we we uh put together was a survey uh in april to um put out to the business community and learn hey what's going on and so we uh we uh, were able to get over 30% uh, response on the survey, and it really documented uh, what the issues were in terms of um, income, uh, employment, uh, what, wh- what were the biggest issues, and, uh, you know, and also how we can help them. And so, part of that was providing information on what's going on out there um, grants, uh, aid from the government, or other sources. Um, so the survey was kind of the, the, the foundation for a lot of things we planned. Uh, one of the things we did was every two weeks we had a bi-weekly call with all the CEOs and top senior um, people in the community, both from the business community and the nonprofits, the, the local government, and talk, and, healthcare, and talk about what's going on and how can we partner and I think share information every two weeks with everybody from across the, the community on who was doing what, help us to learn who was doing what in our space and how to partner where the resources and how to be more effective
1: and i think from those calls we were able to gather more information um from the you know as Clarence says some of the bigger the bigger leaders bigger um in this in sectors in this community and be able to then disperse that information out to um, our membership here at the chamber or to the other businesses in the community um, that survey definitely Gave us quick reference guide onto what were the major issues that our employers were having. Uh, revenue sources were one of the big things. Uh, supply chain, you know, a lot of our businesses not, un, you know, unsure of where their supplies were going to be coming from in the next few months, and then also just employee issues that were more on the the mental health and the emotional well being of the of employees, which are things that. I don't think, you know, Clarence and I don't typically have those kind of conversations with our employers. Um, it's, you know, a lot more on the HR side. Some of our human resource associations would deal with some of those kind of issues. But there were so many new issues that were coming up with employees, um, than being afraid of, you know, getting – Having you know contracting the the disease and um, also childcare issues that were then quickly addressed by some of the legislation that came out. But you know childcare issues are things that we have touched on before with our employers. But this was this was big. Um, not having that available to employees, you know, and not being able to even if they were considered an essential worker, not being able to come to work because of childcare issues. Um, just a lot of conversations that were. Brand new, definitely, yeah, different than what we would typically have with our employers and with members, Um, and it was uh, interesting to just be able to gather that data and then be able to react with resources to them. Um, We did a bunch of, uh, and still are doing a bunch of Zoom-type webinars and phone calls with the community and with members and with businesses to touch on all of the legislation that came out in the, in the CARES Act, as well as um, the PPP programs and the EIDL programs, and then other small business financing options that are out there uh, pretty regularly. Uh, I think probably between the two organizations, we've done at least a dozen types of webinars or um, seminars or workshops around several different topics. To really try to make sure that our businesses are getting everything that they need to continue to move forward.
2: And those webinars and seminars were were a response to the survey in terms of we saw what the needs were, and yes. so we were able to respond in terms of directly focusing on what the employer needs were. And even the biweekly calls allowed us to focus in again on what were some of the concerns from the business community, whether it was uh, PPP or. Mental health issues, uh, employment issues. And so we focused the webinars uh, on those topics. And they were always very well attended because it was not only in Michigan city, but across the whole region. We, we advertised and people would, would jump on board. And so the, another thing we also responded was doing a joint website together uh, where we update all the COVID 19 information in terms of high healthcare, safety regulations, uh, business resources. Uh, from the banking community, the federal, federal government, but any type of resource we can give to the community, both from the business sector, but also from the residents, of what they should be looking for, where to go for information, if you needed help, if you're laid off um, or furloughed, you needed help in paying rent or food, uh, we have a website that you can go and click on the different areas. And so the the survey was kind of the, the, the foundation for how we move forward and putting together programs, The the biweekly, uh, phone calls helped us to know we were on the right track, but also to plan more programming and to help aid the business and our, the residents in our community.
0: There's a couple of things there because you've you've referenced a number of times that the 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 kinds of problems that you were hearing from business, not only were they kinds of problems you maybe haven't heard before, but but obviously, just the quantity of problems occurring at the same time. How how has your response sort of changed your the, the position of your two organizations within Michigan City? And the the other thing that I've heard from some of your peers is They've had to become aware of a whole range of other organizations and resources. So how has this sort of evolved your position within uh, Michigan City relative to just what you've always done, but also other organizations uh, you're now encountering and working with? Well, we have become the business daycare. How's that?
2: (laughs) I mean, I think for us, uh, like you mentioned, we're dealing with, uh, we're in uncertain, uncertain times. Uh, both economic and health wise. And so the concerns that k and I R- and referred to was just things we've never heard of before. So we were uh, really thinking out the box and responding directly. And so we had to look at new experts in the field, um, broaden our horizons, to bring in other resources who are the experts to come and help us move forward. So you know, now we know psychologists and other people we never dealt with before because they're the ones that can address these issues that aren't really addressed in the workforce say, in the past. And even people... We kept abreast of the CARES Act, and then we bring people who were experts to talk about these things. And so we were able to broaden our toolbox, so to speak, and think out the box and reach out to this, the experts in the field and bring them to the table. The great thing is people have been very open to talking to us, open to sharing, volunteering, at no cost, which is great because, uh, you know, a lot of people want to be able to help and they were, they were excited about being asked to help and want to be a great corporate citizen. So from that standpoint, the response was overwhelming from both the people volunteering, but also the business community who responded by showing up to, to, the, to the seminars or webinars and asking questions and really want to do what's right for the employees and the community. So that's the response, I think, from both the, the people giving and the people receiving have been, have been awesome.
1: And I would just echo, I think, you know, for me, as a membership organization, I think it helped us kind of share with our members the value that we are as an organization. And then when I think of myself and some of the associations that I belong to as a chamber, um, belonging to the Indiana Chamber of Commerce and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and to um, the Indiana Chamber Executive Association and, and Clarence belongs to a numerous economic development associations and organizations across the country as well it was important at this time to belong to those types of associations to gain the resources that, you know, as a staff of two and Clarence, a staff of three, we just don't have the, the capacity to delve into every detail of the CARES Act or delve into every detail and become an expert on PPP. So we have to rely on some of those organizations that have the The manpower or the the capacity to take that on and then share that information with us, um, and share that information, and then so that we can then in turn share that information with our community and with our businesses. Um, It was it's it's been an amazing time to really, like Clarence said, free services that everybody seems to be offering and really volunteering and communicating as needed to get that information out there. And it's been. It's been a lot, but it's also been a moment to really be proud of being a part of the economic development and the community development that we get to do as a chamber and as you know the EDC to 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 be a part of it during all of this.
0: So, Clarence, you used a phrase, and and it made me think of something else that I've seen uh, on your collective websites. You said something about a toolbox, but but I remember seeing. Uh, on your websites, that there was a reference to the forward Michigan City uh, back in business toolkit. Uh, so what what is that? and, uh, and how did that come about?
1: Uh, so the toolkit came about, I think, in um, one of our one of our um, business recovery phone calls that we had had where there was some information and some con- conversation around how do we let our small businesses specifically looking at our restaurants and our retail, as they be, were to the point where they were able to reopen and start to allow some customers back in, it was really important that they had a collective kind of communication set going out to the customer base, whether that was residents in Michigan City or if that was, you know, visitors coming to Michigan City. All of this is happening at the same time that Michigan City becomes a very popular summer destination, and so we really wanted to make sure that we were taking necessary precautions to make people feel safe to reenter restaurants and retail. Um, Much of the information from that business toolkit was pulled from the numerous resources that were on the back on track from the Indiana government site that Governor Holcomb put out. Um, And it really was just taking that information and then condensing it down into a quicker reference guide that was available and able to disperse out to our small business sector as they began to reopen. Um, They were going from carry out and delivery or online sales only for retail to now being okay now you can open your doors but what does that look like and how do you communicate to your customer base and how do you communicate to your employees that it's safe and so um, pulled from numerous, web, web, numerous websites, pulled from numerous data sources, and compiled that just as a quick reference guide for our employees, employers to use in the community.
2: And that also helps to lessen the phone calls to the office, because a lot of times when the governor gives us an order, or the mayor gives us an order, it's all, you know, five pages of government, you know, legalese, and people are like, what does that mean? So I think having some guidelines uh, that's kind of broken down in layman's terms has been very helpful.
1: Yeah, and we were also able to add in there um, a quick reference guide to where people could go locally to get PPE, um, as that was becoming more and more difficult for people to find. Um, so it was a nice way to kind of market some of our local companies that supply those products uh, in, in more, you know, supporting local as well. Um, and then also, once the PPE marketplace was opened up at the state level, like, that was very helpful for a lot of our businesses so we were able to add that information in there as well
0: so so i know that we don't know this yet but but we we're, we're all trying to sort of see past uh, sort of the current moment and figure out some of the things that may be coming next clarence how do you think because i know you've been you've been involved in economic development for some time in a number of different places but but there's a that sense that uh, we started this with with an unemployment rate of 2% we're emerging with unemployment rates double digit. We were worried about trying to find enough people to work before we got started, um, and you know, trying to convince site selectors that we could find people for them. Um, how do you think what you're going to be doing as an economic developer? How how are you shifting, and how do you think you're going to be? The things that you're going to be doing will be different on the backside of this than they were just three months ago.
2: Well, I mean, it it will be different for a, for a long time, at least the next uh, eighteen months. Uh, you know, I've worked post, uh, economic recovery and hurricanes, tornado, even a riot. Uh, one of my uh, where I, where I worked, but most of those events have a, a start date and an end date, so you can do recovery and have a plan to get to move. You know, kind of. Uh, kind of you know go up and and get things done without having the the, the hurricane or the riot happen again um, in covid nineteen um, we 're still not sure wh- where the end date is, and so that 's been the most uncertain part of working right now because we know the interest rates are low, we know business have a lot of cash um, we know uh, we also know a lot of people have been followed or laid off, and so there is uh no more people who will be able to look for work once their unemployment checks. Uh, uh, run out um, at a certain point. Um, however, when the issue is going to be childcare, because childcare uh, child locations are still still not open, so that's going to be the push-pull. People who may want to go back to work can't afford to go to work because there's not another place for the child to go to. Uh, so those issues need to be resolved, but it's a health issue. So it's not that, that very easy to, to resolve. So we see uh, business re- recovering incrementally. Um, those that um, can get to work and have the, re- the uh, resources available in childcare, as family or otherwise, will probably go back to work faster. Um, however, um, I mean, manufacturing will probably recover faster. Um, uh, professional business will probably recover faster. Retail uh, hospitality will probably um, still, um, I think for a while, lag just because um, they have the most to lose if if there's there's an outbreak. And so they're taking all the precautions they need to not have that. I mean, all the restaurants just trying to meet, have patios and spacing. Well, you know, for a restaurant, you make money by turning tables and keeping a restaurant full. So, there, there, I could see a huge fallout in that, in that industry because you can't afford to pay people on rent if, if you do that forever. Um, the manufacturing side, I think the supply chain uh, will lag for a minute, but I think we'll figure it out very quickly. Uh, professional services, Um, Again, people are trying to figure out how to work in in confined spaces um, that you'll see a whole lot more people working from home. Um, I think that industry is gonna change the whole uh, office space sector. Uh, Do we need to have all this office space? And so I think you will see a lot of flexibility in that regard in the workforce. So I'm giving it, um, you know, fingers crossed, no uh, flare-ups in the next uh, six months. I give us 18 months for, for full recovery, especially in the um, employment side because there are people who want to work. Um, regardless of what you hear, people not going back to work. There's still a lot of people who want to go back to work. The issue is child care.
0: And, and Katie, you know, uh, I think, you know, you've touched upon this. You know, I think one of the things that I was really, I was really pleased about in the last couple of years you know, as I would be out traveling the state, as I would be, you know, visiting downtowns, we had seen some real renaissance of of some downtowns, of of sort of small business, service business, uh, really beginning to repopulate a lot of those areas. And my concern is that we sort of get on the backside of this. That that this has been so hard on those restaurants, those retailers, you know, those service businesses, even the the tourism industry. Um, you know, how does that, how does that position what you're going to be spending your time sort of on the backside of this as a chamber of commerce, you know, looking at, you know, what, what does the climate, what does the sort of resulting small business environment look like for you? And and how is that going to calibrate your actions going forward?
1: Yeah. um, So it has spurred a couple new conversations. Um, Definitely, you know, we're, we are fortunate that we live where we live in michigan city we have a great um asset with our our lakefront and being you know that beautiful beachfront and lighthouse that um, everybody loves to come visit during the summer months so for a lot of our restaurants our small retail right now they're doing pretty well because we have we do have a lot of visitors coming in and um, in conversations that we've had with tourism um, locally, they are predicting that that's going to stay that way for the rest of the summer and well into the fall because people aren't wanting to fly for for mm-hmm. vacations right now. And so we are seeing a lot of those that can travel, um, especially from the Chicago area, traveling into Michigan City and from the, the state of Michigan, traveling into to Michigan City right now as well. So, But as we move outside of our summer tourism season, it definitely will be a change for us to really go back and look at those restaurants and those small business retail to say, what are your needs now that you're, you don't have that influx of um, customer base right now? And making sure that they are stable for um, the remainder of the winter months that we have here, but then also making sure that they're positioning themselves well into the, the season next year, um, whether that's with you know employees or um, some shared resources that we might be able to provide for them, uh, but making sure that they are all working together. One of the things that I think has been really interesting is to see how our small business, the, re- the restaurant sector has really come together. We've had um, numerous email chains and phone calls where a lot of our owners are working together to make sure that they are sharing resources with each other because they all want the other one to survive. Um, And as far as I know, we have not had one restaurant closed since all of this has started. (laughs) Yes. Crossing our fingers. Um, They all seem to be doing really well. And actually we just had a, a new business that popped up in our downtown um, and, and opened just this past weekend. So we're still seeing, great success in our main street and in our downtown area and i i really see that continuing to thrive just because of the amount of support that our businesses show each other um, and the amount of support that our community shows to our small business sector
2: and Lee, that, that business open is, is an essential business that's wine tasting so that's an essential business
0: <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for clarifying that that uh clearance that that makes all the difference in the world um, uh, so, uh, uh, it seems to me that again, coming out of this, you know, this has been such a, such a challenging time, but it seems to me that you both have uh, a very, very strong sense. Uh, and it seems like a well-founded sense of optimism about sort of where, where the community is going as it comes through all of this stuff. Uh, just reflect a little bit on sort of where you think you know, you've talked about this, but reflect a little bit on where, where everything goes next.
1: Yeah, I, you know, some of the next steps that we have just in terms of action items that we're working on right now is we are conducting a secondary survey um, out to the business community to make, just to kind of see what has shifted from back in early April to where they are now that things are starting to reopen, um, especially as we begin to enter that um, next phase or next stage that the Back on Track plan has after the 4th of July. Um, and then also workforce really working with our workforce partners right now both in terms of uh, making sure that jobs that are available are being shared and that the that and then as far as skill set making sure that if there are opportunities to upskill those that are out of work or even those that are currently working um, there's a lot of great resources right now for upskilling so just getting that information out there in the hands of those that need it Um, We've had some discussions around virtual job fairs and or even physical job fairs and what those look like uh, in this new world of ours. And so we're working really closely with our workforce partners at the Center of Workforce Innovations here in Northwest Indiana, and also our WorkOne partners to make those kind of things happen.
2: I think it's key moving forward for us, especially on our our BRE program, to let the business community know we're, we're here. And we're here to help in any way we can. Um, we, we may not have the answers, but we're willing to listen and try and figure out how to help you or get somebody to you over to you. And as Katie mentioned, we are working. Workforce is big for us. Uh, the upscaling part. We know uh, Ivy Tech has a, a grant for 10,000, um, um, training for 10,000 people. Uh, where so we're trying to encourage people to while they're off work right now to get get retraining upskill. Um, getting uh, people back to work is key for us. Um, and just looking at the work strategic plan, how do, how does all everything we're doing fit in? Uh, we're looking at housing um, that's going to be big, and then we're also connecting with all our local nonprofits to make sure that they're doing okay in terms of what they're doing in their world in terms of helping people with paying paying bills, uh, food distribution. Um, just trying to make sure everybody's been taken care of, not only the business group, but also the residents.
0: So I appreciate your time and I don't want to take uh, more than my share, but is there anything that, that we haven't talked about that you're both, uh, either or both of you, are just dying to make sure that you say before we close?
2: Put it this way this has been a learning experience for, for us and for me for sure. Like I said, this is an unusual economic recovery. Um, phase i've been through in my career so it's been very different um lots of learning uh, lots of on the go training um and i'm sure i made a few faux pas and mistakes along the way but i think everybody's been really forgiving so that was, which is was, was great um, i think we got some great stories to tell on, on the future how to work in, in, in the recovery and i think the business community i think is going to really appreciate the edt in the chamber and how they stepped up and helped out uh, however they can i think for us for me, especially if the key was information sharing, um, getting people together, talking and letting people know it provides some type of stability, certainty within the community, even though our wrong use uh, seemed to be chaos, the fact that we could share information, meet and talk, and get things done, I think provides some level of stability
1: yeah, I would agree with that. I think um you know I think some of the best practices that will come out of all of this would definitely be uh, the information sharing like Clarence mentioned uh, um, different sectors coming together, um, leaders from those different sectors coming together and just sharing what's going on in their world. I think even outside of COVID-19, we can find benefit in that. And uh, I kind of think those are calls that will probably continue after this, maybe more on a quarterly basis. We're meeting about monthly now, but um, it, it has been very beneficial for our community um, to feel like they're really coming together in in this circumstance and then wanting to come together when things are more positive as well. Uh, I would I would definitely mention that um, Michigan City is open for business. We have uh, all of our businesses taking as much precaution as possible to make sure that their employees and their customers feel safe when they're coming into their restaurant or to their retail or coming to our, our lakefront. Um, so, If anybody's listening from across the state or wherever, Michigan City is definitely here for you to come and visit, and we would welcome you with open arms.
0: I would never expect somebody working for a chamber of commerce to to close (laughs) with a comment like that. So uh, (laughs) uh, uh, thank you for not disappointing me, Katie. Uh, I want to thank you both. This has been a great conversation, and I'm just delighted that you had time that you could uh, chat with me and share this with our members. So I've been talking today with Katie Eaton, uh, the president of the Michigan City Chamber of Commerce and Clarence Hulse, the executive director of the Economic Development Corporation of Michigan City. Uh, Katie and Clarence, thank you very much for your time today.
1: Thanks so much, Lee.
0: This has been IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. All content in this podcast is copyright 2020 by the Indiana Economic Development Association and all rights are reserved.